You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, South Bay. My name's Steve Marici. It's uh, incredible to be here this morning. Good to see everybody. Welcome to all of you at home. Thank you to our amazing tech team and worship team. What a great way to start it off this morning. Well, I'm going to uh, jump right in. As you can see, the title of the message this morning is Standing on the Promises of God. And uh, the catalyst for my message this morning came out of week 32 out of our 40 days of prayer with Kit Cummings. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of time here this morning. We're going to look at Deacon Stephen. Yes, got very quiet in here. I'm not quite sure what to, what to anticipate coming off of that. Uh, but with this, just when it comes to God and standing on God's promises, one of the things I wanted to uh, spend a little bit of time with this morning, is there ever been a situation where somebody took a stand for you and with that helped you out of a situation? Anybody relate to that at all? Where someone uh, stepped in the mix for you? Um, Sean, can I get you to share briefly? Amen. That's awesome. You got to love that when uh, people do come to your assistance. David, you had your hand up. Anything you wanted to share? Oh, jeez. Um, so many situations. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing when that happens. For me, there's been several through the years, I think two in particular that stand out. Um, one was when I was in junior high school, some of you have heard this before, but um, we had a situation where uh, I'm someone that has kind of a big mouth. There was a, a new gentleman that started at our school. And um, needless to say, Antoine Reed just drove me to the very verge of freaking out. I mean, literally, I'd be crossing campus, getting ready to head home, and I'd hear Antoine Reed scream out, there's Marici, get him! And uh, I, I was bullied most of my junior high school years, uh, but this gentleman, Mike Savage, Mike, if you're watching this morning, this is a shout out to you, uh, stepped in and, and came to my defense, and after that happened, Antoine Reed was no longer a challenge to me, let's say. But, you know, I just appreciate that he, he saw a situation where I was at just a tad of a disadvantage coming in at uh, under five feet tall, and at that point, probably my uh, seventh grade year, right around 70 pounds. So uh, not a whole lot of damage I could do to much of anything back then. And then there was another situation, um, a, one of my buddy's moms, I, I, you know, I, I had my challenges on the home front, and with that, Judy Deutsch, Tim Deutsch's mom, good friend of mine in high school, uh, on multiple occasions invited me out of the crazy, over to her house for a dinner. Uh, one situation, not super proud of, I was majorly hungover uh, after being out at a high school party with some of my friends. And, uh, you know, her taking me into her house, sitting fully clothed in the shower, trying to work through things, serving me up hot coffee. But, 
you know, it was, it was just one of those situations where I felt unconditionally loved despite the fact that I had my own personal issues. And what we're going to do this morning with that is we're going to take a look at an individual that most of us know, but in my opinion doesn't get anywhere near the attention that he should along the lines of like the Apostle Peter or Paul in, in light of just their prominence within the New Testament, and someone who actually preached the longest recorded message in the New Testament other than Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which, you know, kind of already let the cat out of the bag, which is Stephen, uh, the first deacon. Someone who is a very humble servant, a man like many of you, men and women that are part of the South Bay Church when it comes to our faith family, our home, uh, understanding that Jesus Christ is King Jesus in our lives. And really, really grateful for the message that Andy and Karina preached last week, kind of helping us refocus on what's really significant in our lives. And, you know, when it comes to kingship, as they shared, um, we're not big on authority figures. I mean, the reason that America's here is people had issues where they lived at home and were trying to get away from whatever it may have been, taxation, suppression, their particular status in the culture or society they were a part of, and with them not really liking that degree of anyone having that kind of influence in our lives. But I think we all can understand different times in our life how significant Jesus being Lord of our lives, that kingship is for us. So Luke records the ministry and the martyrdom of Deacon Stephen. And uh, with this, uh, whoops, did I go too far? I went too far. Uh, we got the uh, coronation, an artist rendering of what the coronation of uh, Stephen being made deacon looked like. Stephen was a man that, again, was one of the seven that were chosen to be deacons in the early church. Uh, there were issues with the Greek widows not being taken care of, so these guys were, had their shoulders tapped to kind of make sure that those needs were being met. He was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a man of God that God used greatly for his own glory. And the account goes something like this. The Jews were angry that Stephen was working miracles like Jesus. So they called together their greatest religious minds of the day to debate the spiritual matters with Stephen. But they could not overcome his knowledge or his wisdom when it came to the things of God and what God's expectations are on us. In Acts 6, verse 9 through 10, seeing that they couldn't outmaneuver Stephen and his wisdom intellectually, they actually bribed men, we see in Acts 6, verse 11, uh, to lie about Stephen. They accused Stephen of blasphemy, of speaking against Moses, against, speaking against God, but it was all lies that the religious leaders of the day had gotten quite good with, which were these lies to protect their position, their status, their political connections that they had within the, that time period. Ultimately, their financial status as well. So, you know, it's kind of this broken state that we are in is men and women. Uh, it's amazing, well, just thinking about it, isn't it amazing that in this day and age that lies and half-truths still have an incredible power and influence in our world today? You know, nowadays you can be condemned in the public arena before any real facts come out. And it's amazing how, certain, and how quickly certain people can rush to judgment, even those that sometimes we can perceive as being our own close friends. So chapter 7 opens with the high priest interrogating this new deacon, Stephen. But Stephen began to preach the word of God. And it's amazing as you go throughout the chapter what he covers. I mean, he goes back to Abraham. 
And he walks us through everything right up to the, uh, the, basically, the end of his sermon culminates with Jesus Christ. And Stephen's words cut them to the heart. The religious leaders were majorly stirred up. It says the Bible talks about them being worked up to this amazing rage, which they actually bared their teeth at him, which was a sign of just their dismay, their dislike. Um, you know, I don't know what the Israeli or the, the Jewish version of Chupacabra would be, but that's kind of what I envision. These guys surrounding Stephen just, ah, you know, kind of freaking out because of the stance that he had taken. And as we go on, Stephen, during this attack, he reacted to their attack by telling them that he saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God, which they flew in even a greater rage. They dragged him from the city and they stoned him to death. But it's amazing Stephen's demeanor. And this is one of the things that, that caught my eye as, we were, as I was going through week 32 is his demeanor after this assault on his character. This, the demeanor that he had as he's being attacked, as he's being stoned, we see him citing that he saw the Lord, not focused on all the crazy that was going on around him, but even with that, as Stephen died, as he's being stoned to death, we see him display this amazing degree of love that we've seen no one else biblically demonstrate outside of Jesus Christ. You know, and I think with that, we can find some hope today in observing the ministry and the martyrdom of this amazing deacon, Stephen. You know, even though Stephen died in taking a stand for the truth, standing for God, it's amazing the degree of compassion that he showed towards those that were assaulting him. In, in verse 3, or excuse me, uh, when it comes to what we've just gone through, we can see this here starting in verse 54. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And I, I was a little distracted. You know, sometimes things will pop out of a passage, right? And I'm thinking, what the heck is significance? You know, this may be le le listening to uh, Bema, but what is the significance of this thing with them laying their coats at the feet of Stephen? I'm thinking, man, there's going to be some great insight I come away from this after kind of doing the, doing the deep dive. If we go to Acts 22, I think it's in verse 10, no, verse 19, we see that uh, Paul now, Saul, who had been converted, became a Christian, now goes by Paul, uh, is recounting the same story as well. And he talks about how he was designated with a writ from the religious uh, council of his day, allowing him to go after the Christians, he was going from synagogue to synagogue, calling these guys out. They were being imprisoned. They were being beat. And then also he references the situation with Stephen where it says that I was giving approval and he was actually watching over, taking care of their garments while they did what they did. Now there's other commentaries that kind of get into some details to why they removed their outer coats. Uh, so it was they wanted to remain pure because they didn't want it to be defiled with the blood of Stephen who they were stoning, which I find rather interesting. 
But anyway, so we, we see this going on where Paul is there witnessing this. It says, while they were stoning him, this is what amazed me about Stephen. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, this reminds me of Christ, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He died at that point. So, you know, I think with us, many of us here in South Bay, we're participating in the 40 Days of Prayer series. And one of the things that I really love about Kit Cummings, which stands out to me as we've been going through our midweek, midweek series, is his appreciation for God, how he looks to the little things. Obviously, the big miracles as well, but this idea of really taking a closer look and assessing what I'm blessed with on a daily basis has been incredibly helpful with me. You know, being aware of all the little miracles. And, and I am seeing things on a daily basis. And Casey talked about this a few weeks ago when we broke out into our groups, how just really understanding how blessed we are. And I think with that assessment, looking through this prayer list, praying to God, having kind of a renewed zeal to connect with God on that level, it's just really helped my gratitude level immensely. You know, uh, Kit talks about you know, seeing God's fingerprints all over everything. And again, that's helped me with my gratitude and my focus since the beginning of the year. Um, you know, December 29th, I've shared it a few times, was quite the day. Uh, the, the, you know, being, getting the phone call about Brian, and it's just been great seeing him, seeing him move forward as he's going through his treatment uh, on stage. You know, he's chomping the bit to get back up here and preach again. I'm sure he's got more sermons and more new songs than he knows what to do with, which I'm sure we'll all have the opportunity to hear here soon. But... Just this, this understanding, you know, I, I looked at the situation with totally my car, and I've, I've gotten so grateful for that because I was on the verge of thousands of dollars worth of repairs. I mean, I, I knew it was coming. I had about 125,000 miles on it. I don't know what the heck is up with Ford. I know some of you, you know, what is it, Ford, found on the road dead daily or whatever. For okay, all right. Especially if either one of the Marichis are behind the wheels. I, I'm referring to my son, Jackie. I don't know that she wants to get into that mess or not. Even though she did beat Stephen, we were driving over to get our grandkids' hairs cut yesterday. And uh, I'm not going to get into why Stephen took a different route. But uh, anyway, you know, I'll let him share that with you at some point. But, you know, just the idea that I, for, you know, the car's totaled. I had to come out of pocket $3,000, and I was so bummed about that. But I'm thinking, okay, I need new struts. It's about 1500 bucks. The, fuel, the uh, water pump in this car is built inside the motor. I mean, I used to replace my own water pumps because it was usually two bolts. It was right there behind the radar against the engine wall. And, you know, this thing's buried in the engine. It's probably three or 4000 bucks just to get the water pump changed out. But, you know, this car's got 75000 less miles than I had. It's three years newer than I had. And, you know, not a bad trade-off for three grand. Just saying. So, you know, it gives you a little idea of some of the little things now that I'm looking at as a blessing and how God has worked throughout my life, throughout my day. So, you know, when it, when it comes to the situations that we're in, we can, we can feel one of two things. And I, you know, we can be a victim or we can be the victor. And I don't know about you, I'd much rather be the victor than a victim. Amen? So, let's see here. What I've learned is I can spend my life, we can spend our lives focused on the problems of life, or we can spend our time focusing on the problem solver. We can focus on what is wrong, or we can focus on the one who can make it right. 
You know, and I personally have come to the conclusion that there are certain things in life beyond my ability or pay grade to change. It's taken me a little while to get there on some of those things. But I am at the point now where I would much rather surrender to the one who can change it, the one who will stand before God for me on judgment day, the one who can actually make it all right. Amen? So let's go ahead and continue to look at our Deacon Stephen and his legacy of love and the victory that he has left for us to remember and to learn from in Acts 7, verse 55. It says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So the Bible makes it very clear right here that there's this vast difference between Stephen and his attackers. They're attacking him. I don't know about you, I would think if I'm in the midst of being attacked, I wouldn't be focused on my attackers, right? But this is not who who, uh, Stephen was focused on. The Bible makes it real clear here. It draws our attention to the difference by simply saying, but he, Stephen, he was different from the evil men around him and he showed it in his life. The text tells us that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And that moment in time, Stephen was exactly where God wanted him to be. Where was that? In the middle of a crisis. And that may be where some of us are today, in the middle of a crisis right now. Maybe you're faced with a crisis at work. Maybe you're faced with a financial crisis. Maybe there's a family crisis going on right now. Church issues, health issues. There's so many different things that can come at us, and we can, we can immediately go into this defensive, defensive posture of being attacked. And that is exactly where Stephen could have gone. You guys are lying about me. These things that you're saying never came out of my mouth. We never once, he just talks about God and the, the continuity of God from Abraham through Christ. He walks him through it all. Has absolutely no bearing on the outcome other than the fact that he was exactly where God wanted him to be. God had led Stephen to that very place, to that very moment, for the very things that were happening to him. And you know, and it may not make a whole lot of sense from our perspective, but God received glory from this horrific death of Stephen. Now remember, Stephen arrived where he did because he was following what? The leadership of the Holy Spirit. And in other words, everything that took place was the will of God for Stephen's life. And sometimes the Lord will lead us to places in your life that don't make a whole lot of sense. Any of you guys relate to that at all? Why in heaven's name am I here right now? You'll look around and you'll wonder, what the heck is going on? Lord, what the heck is going on? But if he has done the leading, he has brought you to the perfect place. Psalm 37, verse 23 reads, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. See, our duty in life is to yield to him. Again, this is something that Andy put so eloquently last week. Jesus is to be king of our lives. We're to be surrendered to him. We are surrendered to him to lead us to where he wants us to be, even when we may not exactly be fired up about the destination. In Romans 6, verse 13, God's directive to us is, 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. We're called to be instruments of righteousness for God. And that's exactly what the Jewish leaders of the day were called to as well. But while the Jewish leaders were attacking Stephen, his eyes were focused on another country. While they were grinding their teeth at him, Stephen is looking at the glory of God and seeing the risen Lord Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God in heaven. And people who live under the leadership of the Lord, under the lordship of King Jesus, see things that ordinary people never have the opportunity to see. That's what I love so much about this series that we're going through right now. It's just like blinders have been taken off. There's, There's just so much of a greater degree of clarity. And that is the kind of eyesight that I want on a daily basis. You know, I've been praying for the victims in the lawsuits. I've been praying for our accusers. You know, and I, I know in having conversations with some of you that this may even seem and sound a little odd, but there is peace that I'm deriving from those prayers. Amen. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. One of the things early on when my mom first passed, I was in a service and Sean Payne came up to me and wanted to know how I was doing. I go, bro, I, I just can't even deal with this right now. And I kind of jetted out of here. And if I blew past anybody on that day, I'm sorry. But the thing that I really appreciate now is when I'm being asked how I feel, I can legitimately say, I feel great. God's in control. I'm not losing any sleep over any of what's been going on. And there's been a lot since the beginning of the year. And, you know, Jacqueline and I had this conversation. One of the things that I want, would like you guys to pray for us with is that we, we suffer well. Jacqueline brought this up. And I think, you know what? Uh, I think it's Second uh, Chronicles 16, or no, Second Kings 16. It talks about this guy, Shimei, and how, you know, he's, he's calling out murderous threats against David, and he's throwing stones at David's entourage. And, you know, one of David's guys, oh, dude, you know, just... Give me, the, give me the green light here, man. I'll go chop this guy's, I'll go whack this guy's head off. It's in the Bible. Yeah. Maybe not whack. That, that's probably the... <laughs> that, that, that's the SMV, the Steve Marici version. But, you know, David's whole thing was, you know, well, maybe this guy's got a legitimate gripe. Maybe there's something I did. A legitimate gripe. Maybe there's something I did. God's in control. You know what? Maybe God sent him to me so I get something out of this. And it's been super helpful having that mindset. I want to suffer, suffer well. I pray that, that with that, the truth prevails and that it all is dismissed. And no matter what the outcome, though, is that Jack and I bring God glory through all this. Yeah. So back to our deacon, Stephen. Stephen knows he's facing being stoned to death. He knows he will never see his family and friends again. He'll never preach or be used to perform another miracle. That his earthly life is over, and he knows it. And what is he doing? He's not looking at the problem. He's looking at the Savior. He knows that there may be abuse that he's going to suffer here. But in a short time, he's going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Stephen teaches a valuable lesson in these verses through his suffering, is that we can either spend our lives, again, focused on the problems of life, 
or we can spend our time focusing on the problem solver. I'd much rather focus on someone that's going to be able to untangle the mess than focus on the problem. We can look at what's wrong, or we can look at the one who can make it right. We can fix our eyes on our situation, or we can fix them on the one who determines the situations that we're in. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, Stephen, in his suffering and persecution, teaches us love. He chooses love over hate in the midst of being stoned to death based on a bunch of lies. He teaches us to love like Jesus loves. They drag Stephen outside the city and they begin to cast stones at him and they continue until he's dead. And even as the stones fall on his body, tearing through his skin, bruising muscles and breaking the bones beneath, Stephen calls on God and commits his spirit to the Lord. Any of you have burdens? Take a look at Stephen. He places his burdens in the hand of his Lord, Jesus Christ. And just like Jesus, he even prays for those who are attacking him. Do not charge them, he says. You know, I wish I could tell you that the story ended with Stephen miraculously rising from the dead, from these heaps of stones, and then he went home to his family. I wish I could tell you he lived to preach another day. That he would be able to see his kids and their kids and enjoy his life. I wish I could share with you how he was able to play with his grandkids and live to be an old man growing old with the wife of his youth. That is not what happened. Stephen died that day, but he went home to be with the Lord. And yes, you know, it's sad for those that were left behind, but look at the legacy of love that he has left for us here today. You can love your enemy. You can love those who are against you. You can love like Jesus loved. The Father showed us how to do it. For God so loved the world and each of every one of you that he gave his only begotten son. And that son showed us how to do it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, and there's an aspect of this story, this account that just it is so incredibly uplifting and encouraging. You're, you may be thinking, okay, Steve, we're going to get there at some point? Yes, we're going to get there. I love what Stephen shares with us that he saw. When Stephen saw Jesus, guys, think about this. Jesus was standing. He wasn't sitting. He was standing. And this is interesting because the Bible tells us that Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Colossians 3.1, Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 8.1, Ephesians 1.20, and there's others. Stephen is allowed and given this amazing view, this amazing honor of seeing the glorified Christ in heaven standing. Why is Jesus standing? Jesus is the king of kings. No worldly king would stand in the presence of a subject. But 
King Jesus sees the boldness of his deacon. Stephen's surrender, Stephen's love for his king, and the gospel. And he stands to show his pride for Stephen's resolve. He stands to honor this man who is honoring him. He stands like a father witnessing his child giving it all in a sports competition. He stands to welcome home the first martyr of the Christian era. How amazing is that? You know, I look back at those that have taken a stand for me through the years. It was good to have my friend Mike Savage stand up for me in junior high school and not let me get bullied. It was good for my friend from high school's mom, Mrs. Judy Deutsch, who stood up for me and gave me a safe place to go when things were bad at home. You know, and I'm not always right, but it's good to know I have friends like Andy Wingy, Calvin Johnson, Julio Quintanilla, Kevin Holland, Roland Beber, Doug Weber, Steve Lounsbury, Eric Thurston, Rhett, Brian Craig, Brian Hood, Sean, Andre, Justin, Andres, Owen, and so many others. And there's no women in the mix, no offense to the sisters, but my closest relationships are with the men that are part of God's church, amen? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful for different individuals that I've come across my professional career outside of being a minister. You know, being promoted on the job as a closer at Santa Monica Ford, becoming director of sales because Mark Harding of Santa Monica Ford believed in me with no experience in that degree of management, but he believed in me over all this plethora of men coming through that interviewed for the position. Even though his dad, who was an owner, actually his dad was okay with me, the other owner, Bob Carlin, hey Bob, wasn't super fired up about this green guy becoming part of his leadership team. You know, I'm grateful for Philippe Naveau, who years ago worked for me as a closer, who, when I came out of the ministry in 03, connected me with the Silver Star Automotive Group. And I made the most money and had probably close to the most fun outside of this that I had ever, ever experienced managing Hummer, Cadillac, and Saab. You know, having the opportunity to work with my son and daughter. My daughter was a receptionist. My son was working the tech line doing full-on overhauls. He burned out on that end of the industry and became a service manager instead. Right here at South Bay Mazda, folks. You have a Mazda? Go see Steven. It's local. You can't go see Cal anymore, but you can't go see Steven. For you young folk, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a thing. So, you know, just thinking that through, these were individuals that stood up for me. I'm grateful for my mother-in-law, Joanne Brown. If you're watching today, love you, Mom. You know, Chris and Jerry Ann. Chris Brown and Jerry Ann, Jackie's brother and sister. You know, it's good to have that kind of family. I'm grateful for my son, Stephen, my daughter, Shailene, and Aaron, who will stand up for me. And, you know, all that is well, fine and well. We all need someone to do that on occasion, stand up for us, right? We would not be here today where we are if somebody didn't stand up for us along the way. It may be the individual that reached out to you. I'm grateful for Bruce and Nora Teague. Thinking that through, though, Jacqueline said to me a couple weeks ago, after being named and accused in this lawsuit that's out there floating around, that we're about to find out who our real friends are. And at the same time, who our fair-weather friends are. And you know, and it's already playing out. But we'll also see who is willing to wait upon the Lord and who will not rush to judgment. 
We'll all have the opportunity to see that. Jesus will stand up for you. You know, we see Stephen, rather than looking at his accusers, he looked up into heaven right before his transition, and he saw Jesus Christ take a stand for him. Jesus stood up for Stephen. And I'm here today to let you know, if you stand up for Jesus, Jesus will stand up for you. But guess what? If not, he'll still stand up for you. He still came and died for you. In the midst of my heartaches, Jesus stood up for me. You know, when I felt like I didn't measure up and I wasn't good enough, Jesus stood up for me. When I felt like I was alone, Jesus stood up for me. When I was wrong, Jesus still stood up for me. And even though I've made some bad decisions along the way, Jesus stood up for me. And to this day, Jesus still stands up for me. He still stands up for you. I've heard people say to me, when I get to heaven, I want to see my loved ones. I want to see this one or that one, or maybe it's even a a dog. Jackie. (laughs) And you know what? Bottom line is, I love my family, but when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus. Because all the days of my life, Jesus Christ stood up for me. And he stands up for each and every one of us right now, each and every one of you. Thank you. And may God continue to bless you. Amen. This one, this one. All right. Morning, guys. Love you guys. I felt uh, that that was important for me to say because just in case I say something later that might be offensive. Amen. Thank you. Uh, you know, but I was thinking being offended sometimes can prompt you to uh, make positive changes. Yeah. Amen. Um, it happened to me the last time uh, I met with my doctor for the results of my physical, the lab works. He said something to me that I thought was very offensive. Um, you know high triglycerides, fatty liver. How dare you, right? (laughs) Imagine if I would have said that. But uh, it prompted me to change, right? Jackie's looking at me like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) But a little bit. Exactly. Ultra greens. Um, So I was thinking about that in in terms of the cross, right? Uh, I was just kind of going through some questions, right? Like, does the cross prompt you to change, right? Um, Because we know God, what he did, right, Uh, 2,000 years ago. uh, Jesus died for us. We know that part. Uh, Do you ever ask yourself, why? Why why did Jesus have to die, right? And I spoke with my wife in the morning. She gave me a great answer, but ultimately... Because, uh, you know, it was an atonement for our sins. And then I keep asking like a five-year-old, why? Why me? Why did he die for me? Hey, have you guys asked that? Why did he die? For you. For you, right? Who are you for Jesus to have to die for? Right? Because when I think about it, I'm like, I'm nobody. For, for, to die for me the way he died, it's 
you know, it blows my mind that, that he, he would have to do that. Um, so, now what? He did that for me. What am I doing for him? Right? Um, and Andy Wenji, last, uh, last Sunday, he was talking about the kingdom. Right? You too, Karina. You guys are speaking about the kingdom. Right? Um, so I was thinking about that. What am I doing for him? What am I doing for his kingdom? Right? Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Right? Later on, he says, um, seek thy kingdom first. So spoiler alert, guys. We're in the kingdom. If you guys are Christians, you're part of this thing. What, what are we doing, right? And, you know, that's what I ask myself. What am I doing? Uh, and not, it's, this is not a salvation thing. It's not nothing that we're trying to earn. But, you know, he died for me, right? What am I doing for his kingdom? Why is that sometimes, you know, things are, are a little bit of a struggle for me? Am I having the right perspective? Right? Uh, Kit Cummings talks about, um, what's his name? Mr. G, Cousin G. Something G, right? Uncle G, Uncle G right? So um, am I having the right perspective, right? And um, I'll end with this. I'm reading the book. I can't recommend it yet because I haven't finished it, right? But um, Capturing Christianity. It's not like an apolog apologetics book. Is it good? Yeah. All right. Um, so the first couple chapters are pretty good. So far, uh, the first chapter was talking about... Um, contentment and appreciation and being satisfied and it was talking about uh people that work different type of jobs and this uh they, i think they pulled people that worked at a hospice maintenance picking up bedpans and changing bed sheets and you had half of the people that weren't content they were kind of bitter right because they just saw it as a job and from that perspective they were like this job kind of sucks right um but then there were these other people that were like, you know what? We feel we're part of something. We feel we're part of a team. We feel we're doing something noble. You know, helping these people that are dying live the, their last few days as comfortable as possible. So what's our perspective when it comes to the kingdom, right? Do we, uh, do we feel we're part of something? Do we feel we're part of a team? Um, so, I, you know, I know it's a lot. Uh, but something to think about because um, we are. We are part of something beautiful and amazing and life-giving. And, you know, we should be humbled and honored to even be part of something like this. Whether it's changing the trash cans or, you know, watching the kids or doing this, that, and the other. It's all an honor and a privilege. Amen? Amen. So let's just remember what he did. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be part of your kingdom. So honored and grateful that we've been even asked to be part of this, Father. We love you so much. Excuse me. Thank you again for what your son did on the cross for us, um, for loving us the way you did before we even loved you, Father. When we were still an enemy, you did that for us through your son, Father. And we're just so grateful and humbled and again uh, thank you for this body, Father, for these brothers and sisters that make up this church. Help us be united and help us push forward. Uh, we all do it in your name, Father. 
And in your son's name we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.